And the market is changing. And this is really at the heart of this, that by being more focused on the national agenda and how the national space industry is structured, that will help us in being more competitive in this market. Hey, Space Watchers, this is Space Cafe Radio, your channel about trends, great people and awesome conferences. And that was Christian Hogli Hansen, the Executive Director of the Norwegian Space Agency. We talked at the Spaceport Norway event. That event took place 25th and 26th of October 2022 in Oslo. The event, organized by Ole Docker and his team, was a great example of combining national innovation power and global space economy into one location. Christian and I spoke about the upcoming ministerial conference and the challenges that comes with that, but also about the need of Norway when it comes to space and security. I'm Torsten, publisher of Spacewatch.global. Enjoy our conversation. Our world Europe is under pressure and space gets more and more in our daily life into the politics. You mentioned on the panel Norway's way, and I think it's very unique. Can you tell us more about your national capabilities and capacities? Yeah, for sure. It's important to put this into context because I think what I'm always saying in panels and in my presentations is that Norway is blessed that we have a real need for space with our geographical location and in the high north we have large ocean areas and everything. This is a key driver for how we develop the infrastructure. And what we're seeing now over the past few years, this is materializing into a more national context. Not only certain programs are picking up AIS signals, but we are really working towards this total value chain that now the government is saying we want to support this as part of us being a space nation. So how we are now approaching this, working with industry, working with the institutes and with the national users, that being the coastal authorities or our national defense, whatever that may be, I think this is a, an incredible interesting development that we're making now. Why is Arctic space so important? If you look at the interest in the Arctic in general, China is now approaching the Arctic. They're not an Arctic nation, but they have great interest there because of the trade routes and everything. So you're really looking at everything from supporting transportation by sea on the northern border of Russia, but also in terms of how are you going to do certain rescue? You need communication, you need some kind of infrastructure in order to support this. So if the prediction of increased maritime traffic holds, you also need a search and rescue. I remember we had a seminar a few years ago where also Russia at the time were there. They said that if you're in trouble in the sea route in the high north, there may be a four or five hour helicopter ride to get you there. So obviously you need to know where people are. You need to have communication. You need to have surveillance and support this whole infrastructure through monitoring of ice and everything. And then you have the strategic component. Obviously Norway is on the northern flank of NATO and we are playing an important role there. And that's where we, the fusion between the civilian needs on fishery and oil and gas and everything and the security situation that I talked about in my presentation, where we are at sort of the sharp end of NATO in this regard. Getting bolder is the theme of the Spaceport Norway 22. Is Norway getting bolder? I think we are. It may be something that is hard to support with our now challenged budget. We are not sure how this will go, but the government is proposing a significantly lower budget for our participation in ESA going forward. This is, in my view, unfortunately not a way of being bolder, but we need to then put this into a larger context. The challenge with the budget that is set forth 
is that we're doing okay the next year or two because we have money in the pipeline. But going forward, we will lose positions. This is how the market works. If you're not there, if you're not paying, you will not participate. So being bolder reflects on what I said previously is on the fact that we are the national needs and how the society and our politicians are viewing this. That helps us in focusing the national agenda. That doesn't mean that we are leaving ESA or leaving the EU participation, not at all, because this is the backbone of what we're doing in space. But we are seeing more opportunities on the bilateral level, and we're also seeing more opportunities on the national level. And the market is changing. And this is really at the heart of this, that by being more focused on the national agenda and how the national space industry is structured, that will help us in being more competitive in this market. From Europe, from Brussels, we can hear that they have, at the moment, two priorities. Everything else is under these priorities, and that's our energy and defense. And I'm aware that Norway is not part of the European Union. However, you are part of Europe. And as you said, on the north border of Europe, you mentioned before, it reflects already also in your strategy. In a month from now, we will see the ministerial conference of ESAR, and you are a member of ESAR. And hearing the talk earlier on, the, the budget cuts that might occur, how can that strengthen the position? So how does this logic work? First of all, I think the points that you're mentioning in terms of what is on the focus of the EU on the energy and security is totally understandable. Obviously, the EU does not want its population to freeze in the winter. This may happen. The supply of electricity, the supply of energy is, is very, very important. The need for Europe and the EU, as they are promoting it to be autonomous, is also understandable. Norway has made a choice twice to not be part of the EU, and we need to be realistic about that. We have the EEA agreement, which serves us well. We're part of the open market with free exchange of money and people and everything. But we also need to see how can we become an attractive partner. Just clawing at the door won't help. We need to have a position, a proposal, something of value for the EU to be part of the good company. And this is just hard work. Showing that we have a real contribution to the European agenda, I think that's very important. We don't get around it. We have to work it all the time. Let's talk about ESA and the ministerial. We have been working this for a year. Working with ESA, understanding the structure of the various space programs, and also working with other industry to, to look at what is their priority in this. And right now, we, we need to make a very hard priority. First of all, we want to, as far as we can, to support the existing positions. But then, that was mentioned in the debate just recently, we need also to support the startups and the innovation and the new companies that are looking at space differently. And the less money you have, the harder priorities are. We will continue to work this the next four weeks, trying to see how can we, in the best way, make the most of the budget that we have. Let's talk about another challenge. The scare resource of human capacities, new talents. How do you, as a small country, population-wise at least, are you tackling that? How do you attract the next generation to work in the space industry? We had, as the CEO of KSAT, are talking about the hunt for talents and how difficult it is to find new people, new bright people to work in this highly specialized industry. You as a government agency, how do you support that? How do you help them? In general, it, I think this hits not only space, but several other industries, that there is a shortage of people in many different disciplines, actually. We see it in healthcare. We have a large influx of people working in healthcare that come from other nations. 
We are also seeing it increasingly in the space sector. We know that at Alnoya Space, when they're building up their staff now, I don't know how many nationalities are represented, but it is a lot because they have an attractive proposition. And even though Alnoya is certainly not the center of the world, it is an interesting place to be if you're interested in launching rockets into space and being part of that uh, ecosystem. It's always a question of how to focus where the center is. Yes, that's right, of course. And we're working jointly in particular with Alnoya Space Education. That has been a joint collaboration for many years in terms of how can we support with our specialists in our description of the space ecosystem for students. They have, I think it's like almost 6,000 students per year that go through Alnoya Space. And this is a, an important hub because not only are they introduced into real space programs, they do small launchers and they track things and everything. And they also are well-connected with the various universities. And it was also mentioned in the reception yesterday, we are seeing now more master degrees. We are seeing an ambition of closer cooperation between industry and the universities. And this is really at the heart of this. The challenge is that when you create a, an interesting job, you will rob a person from another space company. You are not creating an additional head. So this is an evil circle. So it's a matter of starting early at the university level, encouraging people to do this. One thing is a specific space education, which is not very well developed in Norway, but me as an engineer, and I've worked in space industry for, for many years, you need people that in general are good in engineering, in physics and mathematics, and because then you can tailor make them into a space engineer. So this is a long-term thing that we have to do. Last point I would like to talk about is, and maybe it's also an occasion to inspire new people to the space sector, is the upcoming GLOCK. Mm -hmm. the upcoming uh, conference uh, planned for May next year. Can you talk about that? So what are your ambitions? What are your plans for that? Because it's about oceans and the climate change. What was three quarter of a year totally on the priority agenda, but now due to the geopolitical situation and changes, lost a bit of traction. This is true. And we hope that Block, the Global Space Conference on Climate Change in May in Oslo, can be a source of both inspiration. Any conference will seek to be inspirational but to be a real meeting place where we meet with the politicians and head of agencies and head of industry in order to enlighten and educate the politicians on, as the slogan is for the conference space as a toolbox for political action on climate. You can ask a lot of people around what is their political leadership's awareness of space. And it, it, in general, is quite low. They do money and invest in space infrastructure, but the real understanding of what this does for society is not that great. So this is focused on climate change and how space is supporting the real actions in order to fight deforestation and illegal fishery and being able to understand the climate variables. That's the ambition. Having that as a really high-level discussion on a political level. And then with all the things going on, as you mentioned, getting the attention for the politicians is maybe a challenge at the time. Absolutely. Talking about your day-to-day -day job, what is the biggest challenge at the moment what you face? Right now, it's trying to make the best of the budgetary situation. We are working both long-term and short-term. The short-term is working towards the ministerial conference and making the best of it. I think we have a good long-term plan that is maturing in terms of what Norway has an ambition to be. This discussion that we're having today is very important in order to define space. It's not only the satellites. It's not only the sensors. It's what is the use case? What is the end user? And who are the customers willing to pay for those services? That is at the top of my head, how to work this on the long term. You already ended on a positive note. So 
my last question would be, what is the biggest opportunities you see these days with all the circumstances what we discussed before? I think, and I don't mean to sound introvert, but again, it's a balance between what we're doing through the institutional programs, which is well-established, it, it's real, pushing us forward, it, we, it's international cooperation, but it's hard to develop the national agenda that's really important for going forward. Thank you very much for your time. All right. Thank you. If you want to stay on the pulse of the space industry, please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. And of course, don't forget to become a Space Watcher. I'm Thorsten Greening, publisher at spacewatch.global, your independent perspective on space. Mm -hmm.